When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome to Utopia Steam Chicken here, as usual, joined by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Yeah, all good. Very, very good. Very, very good. I've had a, some people may not realise, but I've had a bit of a crazy year work-wise, and I'm now on my summer holidays, so I'm very relaxed, Stephen. Doing this with a top hat and a cigar. It's a, the, the hat fits you really well. Who's your milliner? <laughs> I'm not a Rotherham fan. Whee! <laughs> Ah, but you do like James Milliner now, don't you? I do like James Milliner. Yes, I do. And it worked. Yeah, it would, be, it would have been more appropriate to say Luton, the Hatters. Damn. <laughs> right. Season preview then. But before we go into what we think the season might look like and look ahead to to Plymouth, and I don't think we're going to be sort of too hardcore on the predictions um, because I think that's just a recipe for making ourselves look daft. But we can share a few thoughts on how we think the summer has gone so far and the shape of the squad and expectations for the championship in general, I think. But obviously transfers is is still the main order of business. We're still in pre-season for the time being. And it's been a few weeks since we recorded, Dave. Had a couple of new arrivals in the shape of Chris Maxwell, and that shape does have sort of it is filled in by an actual human being. It's not just like a cardboard cutout of him. And and Tom Edwards, who's arrived on loan from from Stoke City, so backup goalkeeper and a right back. Fair to say, the fans want the striker. Um, I think that that's evident. I have sort of wondered if the order of the signings was different, whether the reaction to to those signings might have been a bit different. Um, But I think Chris Maxwell is a a solid bit of business as a backup keeper. And Tom Edwards, I know, has has had his critics at Stoke, but his stats look look fine to me. What what are your thoughts on those new arrivals? Um, I think Chris Maxwell is fine. He's a backup keeper. I'm not going to sort of waste too much time talking about it because he might play in the Caribou cup games if Nichols gets injured he'll come in but no one's as long as Lee Nichols is at the club Lee Nichols is playing so let's not get too worked up about that what I would say is that I I kind a lot of people have sort of slightly kicked off about Nicholas Belokopic yeah. leaving the club but I kind I kind of get it look Neil Warnock doesn't particularly trust young goalkeepers it's not something he's ever really done and I kind I kind of get it because if you're Neil Warnock, you've been in the game that long. He's here for twelve months, so with the greatest of respect, he's kind of not here to sort of nurture and bring through a young goalkeeper and hopefully leave him there for the next you know three or four seasons. He he's here for twelve months, so if you're going to have Warnock on a short term contract, I think you just kind of lean into it. And if he wants an experienced backup goalkeeper go and get him a experienced backup goalkeeper. And Chris Maxwell is a very solid keeper, Steve. I don't know if you if you've dug into him a bit, mm-hmm. but he's 
I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend he's, you know, absolutely sensational and knocking on the door of the England setup or anything, but he's just a very solid keeper, which for, from a backup, that's your that's your, your Richard Wright slash Scott Carson slash model, isn't it? Just just be all right at everything. Yeah, I think with the locker pitch, even aside from the Warnock factor, and I think, yeah, Warnock was quite was very complimentary of him uh, when he, he played him instead of Thomas Flashlick shortly after he arrived. But I think it's it's more when are you going to play him? Because I think if you if you maybe had an average championship keeper, you might look at it and go, well, do we want to just accelerate block a pitch and get him into the side like they did with Ryan Schofield a couple of years ago? And I think we know from Ryan Schofield, who's now at Portsmouth, by the way, um, I think we know from that Ryan Schofield experiment that it, it can be a bit of a gamble and you do need to sort of grin and bear it a certain amount um, if you're putting in a keeper that young. I think block a pitch... Probably has his all-round game is 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 further on than Schofield was when he was promoted to the first team. But Town don't have and didn't have and don't have an average championship keeper. They have Lee Nichols, who is the best championship keeper. And I think if he were to to go, and bear in mind we still got a month of the transfer window left, it maybe paints us in a different light. But I think it's Blockovich is at a point where he's shown he's good enough to play senior football, but he's not going to do that at Town this season is he going to so it's like well do we get him alone but then it's like but is he actually realistically going to play next season and it's like well it depends on how he does on his loan and whether Lee Nichols is still at the club and if he's not who do we get to replace Lee Nichols I think at that point you start to think well is the best thing to do here get him out but in a way with clauses inserted that if he does really well at Peterborough as we expect him to we get some value out of him in the future, whether that's a sell-on or bonuses related to promotion or um, to appearances or whatever it may be. So, I, I see the logic of it. We'll see what what happens with Lee Nichols. So far, it's been quiet on him this summer. Mm. There have been a, a couple of rumours early in the window, but, but then it's gone quiet. Uh, a lot of the Premier League clubs that needed keepers this summer have since signed them. Not all of them, but, but a lot of them have. So, We'll see, and and best luck to to Nick Blockpitch, who is a Nick just N I C as it turns out. Who knew? Um, Tom Edwards as well, then Dave. Yes, um, Matty Pearson's brother. Um, <laughs> he, he, I, again, I just think it's I think it's a very solid one, really. You know, I he played. We were there at the friendly on Saturday, and he played absolutely fine. You know, he's more. When he first arrived, we had a conversation about it, and it was kind of like, "All oh, right, okay, well, he's Ollie Turton, but he can cross." I think he's a bit yeah. more than that, um, yeah. but I, that's not to denigrate Ollie Turton either, because I think Ollie Ollie Turton is probably a a better all round footballer. But Edwards gives you a couple of different options. I think, all joking aside, I said to you halfway through the game, not only does he look like. Matty Pearson's brother, he he does play with him. His sort of playing style is exactly the same. And I come back to the same thing. Edwards is going to do what Warnock wants, which is, you know, he's going to throw himself headlong into a challenge on the halfway mm-hmm. line just to win a throw-in. And again, I have my feelings towards it, but if you've got Warnock here for a year, you need Warnock players to do Warnock things, don't you? So I'm kind of like... Yeah, absolutely fine, really. And I do think right back is a position that we'd both 
talked about and we'd sort of said okay well I think they might be covered if you move Reg out there you've got Ollie Turton coming back hopefully in sort of October November time is the sort of current hopeful you have got other options you could move Matty Pearson out there but they were all sort of round pegs in square holes so mm. I'm quite I'm quite comfortable with them signing a right back and I think the one thing I noted about him is I thought he looked quite hungry, Steve. He looked like a player who mm. wants to play, didn't he? He looks like a player who wants a chance to actually settle himself into a first team and, and take it. So, yeah, I just think it's... a. Uh, we're not we're not asking anyone to get excited about a backup goalkeeper and a right-back here. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. But I just think it's... As a signing, again, I just think it's absolutely fine. Fine. It, he's yeah, he's very aggressive. Um, you know, he's he, he's it's obvious from looking at his numbers. He does less work in the penalty box in terms of sort of blocks and interceptions and things like that. But he does a lot more work outside the penalty box. And he's, I think he's more likely to go and engage a player. Um, he's obviously he's had his injury problems. He was came through as a teenager in the Premier League at Stoke, and I think there were quite high expectations for him. But he's been sort of hampered by injury. I know Stoke fans don't love him, but I would also say maybe a pinch of salt with that because I haven't seen him play for the last three and a half years um, he's been out on, on loan he was very well regarded at Barnsley and they wouldn't have terminated that loan with him he, you know, I saw someone saying oh he's played 10 games for Barnsley last season it's like, well, yeah but he got injured and would have been back before the end of the season but they, they terminated the loan because they needed to free up the budget basically um, I think ultimately Edwards is if all he does is allow no one to play an out and out right back, because I think from pre season, I imagine most of the time Town are going to play a three five two or a three four three. I think probably a three five two. We Silver Thomas as the right wing back. Edwards allows them to play an out and out right back if he wants to play a back four, because we know that Silver Thomas can't do that. Even if that's only half the games, and he only does it up till Turton is back injured. He's probably playing what eight, ten games, uh, Edwards. And if he does that and he's fine and no, no better than fine, then that's fine. Uh, and if it turns out he's brilliant and keeps turning out the side afterwards, then all the better. Uh, and if he gets injured again or it turns out he's another Matt Lowton, you've still got those options you talked about. You could move Matty Pearson out there. You could put Romani Edmonds Green out there. I don't think it's ideal, but and Brody Spencer as well. I think is is worth a mention. Um, he did get a bit of a chance in pre-season. I would say, having watched all those games, I didn't particularly notice or um, make any notes about Brody. Either way, we know he's very promising, but he is the youngest player in that squad. You know, he's yeah. uh, as I've written about. He's younger than Bremer Diarra. He's younger than Etienne Kamara was. He's younger than than Loic Aina. He's younger than Josh Osterfield. He's about five years younger than Ramani Edmonds Green, so there's still time for him. Um, but I don't think he. I think there's some was sort of a grab this by the scruff of the neck and show us you, we don't need a sign in. And I don't think he did anything wrong, but I don't think he did that either. So we'll yeah, see what happens well, with Brody, but. everybody knows my feelings on Brody Spencer. I think he's great, but I would kind of advocate that he goes out on loan because I think he needs he needs the sort of. Uh, the weekly yeah. first team football, getting used to it, etc. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think somebody, somebody's going to pick up a very, very good loan signing. But you, you say he's the youngest member in that squad, and he's not done anything. He didn't even make the team sheet on Saturday, and still got on. That's how good. He is. <laughs> um, the other thing I noticed with Tom Edwards, and obviously this played a part in the goal 
and it's what he was most noted for probably at New York Red Bulls where he played on the right of a back three most of the time um, his long passing range he's, he's very good at sort of those accurate long balls and I think that's it's interesting because <laughs> Hellick and Pearson were sort of taking turns during preseason, and they did actually score off one of Hellick's, but Pearson's were <laughs> often quite directionless. But with Tom Edwards and Newton Nakayama, they've got an option for either side of the back three who can actually play a, a nice, accurate outball um, if mm. they need it. And you know, I think I think we know that that Warnick is is not ideologically opposed to to doing that if all else has failed. So. I think that's another another interesting one. If you put, were playing a back three, is is it worth putting Edwards in there for for what he can do on the ball? Um, but having said that, I do expect it would be once he's back, Tom Lees would come back in and play alongside Pearson and Helix. So. Yeah, I'm not totally convinced on that. Actually, no. I think I think Tom Lees might be managed a little bit this season. I just I I think I think Towner. We'll, we're going to go into the squad and everything else, but I think Town are really well set defensively, and I think they can afford to rotate their options a little bit, particularly with you to coming back in. And I just don't necessarily think Lees is going to be a, a starter in the same fashion he has been over the last couple of years. He'll still play plenty, don't get me wrong. Um, but I just, yeah, I I think naturally once everybody's fit in there, it, it becomes quite a difficult decision actually whether yeah. you play three or a four or what, what options you go with because they've got one of the, the better defensive squads in the league. Yeah, I think the the centre-back issue, if you were to play a back four, whether you pick between... I think probably we would say it's Helic is mm. the first oh, centre-back. Did, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but then it's... I think we still don't really know the answer to who would he choose between Lees and Pearson. I think we talked about this towards the end of last season, but even going back to basically since Tom Lees joined... Um, join the club um, I think they've only ever had to choose between it. all his managers they've only had to, had to choose between them once um, because either Pearson's been injured or Leeds has been injured or Pearson's been at right back so and I think the choice Carlos made was, was Leeds but I don't know if mm. thing is Pearson's now had a pre-season and Leeds hasn't so yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see and uh, I, I also think if you play a three for me, your most natural in the centre is always Helic. And Helic, yeah, let's yeah. be honest, Helic is going to start every game he's fit now. I think your most natural on the left could be Utah, particularly if you look at yeah. someone like Ben Jackson as a as a left wing back. And then on the right, I think Matty Pearson is your most natural fit, if I if I'm honest, because of the way he defends us in a three, and because that side, I never want to see Matty Pearson play on the left again, as I said on the podcast last season. So yeah, so. Yeah, I you know Tom Lees is going to play plenty this season. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think he's a he's a natural starter in quite the way he was. But I I kind of see that as a good thing because I just think it's a reflection of how it's the one area that I think we both look at and think don't do anything. You know, yeah. they don't need to add anything there. They've got too many of anything. Yeah. Um, I th- I think um, it's interesting with Utah. I think Josh Ruffles is actually probably. Penciled in while Lees is injured, probably the one who's penciled in for that left-sided centre-back mm. role if they're playing a three. And to be fair, you and I have both commented Josh Ruffles has had a really good pre-season. He's looked excellent mm. um, for for whatever it's for. You know, not reading too much into friendlies, but you know, he's. I thought he was the best player on the pitch for spells um, in in against both Stockport and Heron Vane. Um, but I think obviously Yutanakiyama plays 
similar kind of role and let's be honest i think he's far better than ruffles but it's i think they'll obviously want him to show he can do 90 minutes first which mm. from what i understand from what no one told us it's just a matter of getting his confidence up at, at this point um after you know being out for for so long and he played 60 minutes for the b team on on saturday so it's moving in the right direction um but it'd be interesting to see you would think that warnock would he'll he'll quite quickly make a, a positive impression on Neil Warner, yeah. um, Utah, yeah. and uh, he's an interesting one because he's, he's got, I think his technique is probably the best outside the front line that town have anywhere in the side. Um, so I've almost, and I think I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, I almost wonder if he might do a bit of a Ramani Edmonds green with him, and which Danny Schofield also did, which is just stick him in midfield mm-hmm. um, as a as a deep lying midfield player because he's he's much tighter on the ball than a lot of their other options. Yeah, I, I can I can totally see it because it's the way Warnock is shaping that midfield in terms of what he wants from his holder. He is. He's not quite doing the Pep Guardiola, John Stones thing, but if he puts a defensive option in there, it does allow him to do certain things. What what Warnock likes from one of those roles, let's be honest, is a player who does as he's told. So yeah. if you put Romani Edmonds Green in there, he'll do as he's told. So if you tell him he's to track the ten, if you if you tell him he's just to sit and just patrol the space, if you tell him you want him to wander forward, he will just do what he's told. And I strongly suspect you could probably get exactly the same from Utah as well. Um, so, yeah, interesting. I think they they do look a bit. We'll get into and don't worry. I know you're all screaming at your. I'd about to say radios um, about what about a striker. We will get to that. But first, I think. Neil Warnock did mention to me on Saturday that they might, obviously the striker is still the top priority, but he did say he might like to bring in a, a central midfielder if they can as well, and they've started mm-hmm. making inquiries on that because I don't think they have a huge amount of depth in central midfield to be perfectly honest. Um, I, he said, and I'll ask for the press conferences on uh, on Thursday, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we'll ask about David Kasumi who went off injured. Um, but if, <laughs> if you wanted to play a midfield three, and uh, Kasumu and Hogg are, are both injured for the sake of argument. You want more injury away from playing Scott Hyde, Josh Osterfield, and no disrespect for those to those players. No, but I don't think you ideally want to start them at this stage either of those no. players. So I think, and that's assuming you play a number ten with Brahima Diara. You then wanted to play a you know two number eights and a, and a defensive midfielder. Then Diara yeah. can do that, but I don't think it's his main strength. So. Yeah, we talked. I mean, we talked previously about how they need someone who's sort of almost like a uh, a second Jonathan Hogg um, in there, mm-hmm. a bit a bit more experienced, um, and someone who I think can ideally get their foot on the ball and calm things down if if the game is going against them and they've got twenty percent possession and they're being constantly bombarded. Someone who can calm things down both by instructing their teammates and by getting on the ball this would be pretty invaluable to them there because they don't really have that at the moment no I mean I, I my feelings haven't changed from the end of last season when we did a pod and the live pod at to now really I, I think they need a passing eight who yeah. I mean even if it was somebody who was at the older end of the scale I don't think that would be a massive issue because I don't think it's somebody they need for every single game, but I think there are games mm. where they need a li- to be a little bit cleverer in midfield and they need somebody who can just pick a lock and 
uh, I, I, I just don't see that player in the squad anywhere. Well, then the name that keeps going into my head, obviously not this player, but as a comparison, is and I know he, he people didn't love him, but Andy King. <laughs> The role that he did in the second half yeah. of the season, you yeah. know, he's coming on for the last twenty minutes if you one nil up or yeah. um, starting once every three games and not being a eight out of ten any game, but just being steady away and reliable. Yeah, but I think with Andy King, I think the problem was you need somebody who's played football in the last sort of two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And yeah. I, I, but I, I mean, think... in terms of in terms of the role that we're talking about here, I think it is that kind of role. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. It it's 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 somebody it's somebody who can just change the shape of the passing a little bit that I just I don't think they've got. They've got the thing is in midfield as much as we've sort of waxed lyrical about the defensive options, I think a lot mm. of their midfield options are quite similar. Mm. They have a lot of the same sort of players. Now Warnock has sort of tactically got round that by using a system where you sort of make the most of that. But the problem is, I just don't think you can do that in every game against every opponent. I think you need another option in there. And I also think if you are... The, the way they're shaping the front line, and particularly with re-signing Josh Caroma, you do want games where somebody can basically pick players out on the shoulder. And I, I don't think you, you really want Tom Lees doing that in defence. You want that midfielder who can sees a little bit more of the game and can try and thread the needle a bit so yeah I, I, I sort of Neil Warnock did mention it in passing but I would be I'd be quite surprised if they weren't really trying to get someone in that position I know everybody keeps talking about the striker but for me like you I they seem perilously close to an Osterfield high double pivot Bear in mind, you know, David Kasumu has never completed a full season in his career. Yeah. Jonathan Hogg, we know the end of his career he's at. Uh, Rudders is sort of played a bit further forward and in a different role, and he's become a really, really important player for how Town set the rest of the team up. So I don't think they want to drop him into sort of a six position anytime no. soon or anything like that. So I think I think it would be to have games where you can have that sort of traditional six and an eight in the middle of midfield mm. is is where Town want it because at the moment I just don't think they've got that option. I think in a couple of years, like two years time, if Scott High goes somewhere and plays in a first team and develops as me and you think he he can, in two years time Scott High would be that player, but he's just not that player now, is he? No, it's it's interesting because they they have sort of that midfield triangle. He has flipped it both ways as well this summer as he did last season so we've we've seen as you say the double pivot with Rudoni and, and Romani or Rudoni and Kasumu uh, and then Brahim and Diara ahead of them I imagine that would be Rudoni, Hogg and Diara would be the first choice there if, if all three were available but then there's been other games where it's been Rudoni, Kasumu and um, and Edmunds Green which mm. would be Rudoni, Kasumu and Hogg I think um, yeah. so just gives you, a, you know, you can either go more attacking and and high pressing by having Diara on, or you can go a bit more low block and safety first by having Edmunds Green or Hog on instead of him. So, yeah, I think th- what I would say, I think there is a world where you could probably get through to January without that midfielder, but yeah. I don't think you can go all the way to the end of the season without doing something about that midfield. So, like, it, if it comes to a compromise, I would say it is probably the 
the position where they will compromise, but then they would have to look at it in January, I think. Yeah. However, centre forward, we know, is their top priority. Has been all summer. Are they after a striker? (laughs) Yeah, no one. It's gone very quiet. No one's really talking about it, (laughs) Um, either in the fans or at the club. No, it's obviously it's been a constant thing. Um, Everyone is, is. Everyone wants one. The fans want one. Club want one. Warnock wants one. You and I want one. Um, we all scream for strikers, basically. But well, I, th- I'm, I think I'm, I, I'm perhaps not quite. I'm not quite as far down that road <laughs> as you think, actually. Well, I was at the start of the summer, and I think I've seen a bit more out of Harrod and Hudlin than I expected. However, I still don't think that's an argument that they don't need one. I think, obviously. Keeping Ward and Karoma is is massive. My only sort of... I think there is a bit of an expectation among the fans. Someone said to me a couple of weeks ago, oh, I think the fans are expecting someone to come in and, and sort of unambiguously replace Danny Ward as the first-choice striker. And I was really surprised <laughs> to hear that because it's like, well, one, I thought everyone sort of quite liked Wardy. And, and two, we know that Warnock loves Wardy. And three... They said right at the start of the summer that the budget isn't, or basically, yeah, basically said the budget isn't going to be enormous um, for for transfers this summer. So I'm not sure where people are expecting to get this sort of, you know, massive step. You know, they're not going to go and sign Victor Jokeres, are they? So or or Alexander Mitrovic. I think or there Alex needs to- Sims. And I think, yeah, I just think. As well, Ward and Karoma is a very good pairing. And I think any striker who came in would be sort of expected to compete to get into that front mm. two if he plays a front two or be that lone striker if he plays a lone striker rather than unanimously replace Danny Ward. But I think what they really need is, is someone who is different from what they already have. Because I think we know mm. that, that Ward and... If Ward's, Ward's main thing is his fitness, obviously. We know he's probably going to miss some games in the season. We know that he never really completes 90 minutes. So they need someone to come on for 20 minutes to replace Danny Ward every game, for starters, as Martin Michael and Jordan Rhodes have done for the past couple of years, uh, and Keen Harrett has started to do. Keen Harrett is the closest they've got to Danny Ward, but I think Keen Harrett is sort of currently somewhere between a young Jordan Rhodes and a modern day Danny Ward um, in terms of what he does and his skill set and the way that he plays um, Kyle Hudlin is obviously potentially a difference maker and, and different from the other options very different from pretty much any option uh, and has done I wasn't hugely impressed with him out in the West Country but as they've played better opposition I've been more impressed with him um, and, and I thought he had particularly good games against Stockport and and Heron Vane and obviously scored in both of those games. But I think they there isn't a huge amount of pace in that front line, for starters. No. So that's one way they could go and, and look to make a difference. The other thing is, I'm not sure there's... Uh, Ward is good in the air. Hudlin's obviously very tall, but he can't really head it very well, funnily. Um there isn't sort of a big target man option, so either of those options might be viable for town, I think. Yeah, my my slight hesitation over the striker thing is the profile thing, because like like you, I mean, in the, in the last, I think you might have even called the podcast, the last podcast we did together before you went to Cornwall and cheated on me, 
um, was I think you even said Ward is like Warnock's teddy bear. Because you said that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I said in that podcast, and I actually had one or two comments afterwards that there's there's uh, somebody even said, "Oh, town are doomed if Wardy starts next season." And it's like, well, whether you think they are or whether you think they aren't, if Neil Warnock is Huddersfield Town manager, if Danny Ward is fit and available, there's a nine out of ten chance he's going to start the game because. Warnock loves what he does, and he's not. The the thing is, I think what Warnock wants from Wardy is five to ten goals over the course of the season, but he he wants him to fas- facilitate others basically. Yeah, he's 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 the Firmino role, you know. He's yeah. there to 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 try and bring others into play. He's there. His five or ten goals aren't anything like enough from a central striker, but the whole point is that he helps Karoma get to his ten to fifteen goals, yeah. and helps Sorba get to five to ten goals. Yeah, you know, Jack in an Rodone. ideal world, like Jack Rodoni to five to ten goals. Figures, yeah. And the thing is, like, I, I I've taught myself into having a proper look at Hudlin because, again, it's that it's that thing I keep saying that if you've got Warnock for a season, you may as well have a look at options that that suit Warnock's traditional game plans. And the thing is, Warnock isn't a long ball merchant. He's he's not been that no. for quite a while. What he likes is quite often in a game he wants a, a diagonal to flip the other side to get them turned, okay, which is absolutely legitimate and is not the same as long ball football by any stretch. He uh, he wants at least two players in the front line pressing. So even if you drop Karoma and Thomas back into traditional wide positions, you'll see one of the midfielders come sprinting out to press yeah. with Wardy. It was so DR usually, a, probably. Yeah, it, it, it's a, the thing is, it's a very specialist job. It's not like people keep saying to me, oh, we need a 20 goal a season striker. 20 goal a season strikers are very few and far between. Okay, and like if, if you get a striker who scores 20 goals in the season, if you get some at one a game, that's still 26 games he hasn't scored in that you need other people to score in. So the sort of role has changed a bit. And I, I the thing is, I, I am not. I'm not as big a believer in Harrop as a lot of people are, so I, I'm quite not quite as high on him as you are, but I do think he is the closest that they've got to Audi, but I wouldn't have him I wouldn't have him starting, certainly. I think Hudlin is your option for the last sort of ten to fifteen minutes for the first five or six games and you see how it you see how it works. You know, you see how that mm-hmm. can what sort of havoc that can cause. But I just wonder if you if if you kind of if it's two players we need here we need almost a, you know I'm going to use the words a Martin Waghorn type who can mm-hmm. come in and can is happy to do the wardy shift of of doing a bit of dirty work to be honest Steve yeah you know bullying and be there's a reason Jordan Rhodes is nowhere near the first team yeah. at the moment and that's because he's not a bully you know and that's what. Imagine Jordan Rhodes trying to bully people, as in yeah. just physic- physically, not on the pitch, just away. You can't imagine it. He'd push you over, then pick you up and push you through the door and then say, you know, you first, wouldn't he? He's just that kind of guy. But that's that's the reason he's not playing. So I yeah. just wonder if we need a bit of a Wardy avatar who is perhaps a bit of a waghorn type, you know, even just for, for a season. And if we're actually looking at a player who can push Karoma and Thomas here, if we're looking at a player who can play out wide, and you yeah. look... So, for instance, I, I, I like I'm just I'm caveating this right from the off. I don't know if there's anything in this, or if it's just a random 
down at the Mac user coming up with a name. But I know somebody asked me yesterday about Macaulay Langstaff at Notts County. That sort of profile of player, I'm not. You probably won't know much about him, Steve. But he's a player who can come in off the right. Um, he he he's a central strike and he likes playing through the middle. But he can play on the right of a three and come in. I just wonder, yeah, is that the profile of player that perhaps we're looking at here, rather than this sort of what most people think traditionally striker-wise? You know, somebody going through the middle and is definitely going to score them 15 goals and everything will be all right if you get 15 goals from your striker. So I think we're probably looking at, in an ideal world, we're potentially looking at two signings here. And they may be slightly less inspiring than going and paying... 8 million quid for early sims but it may in terms of facilitating how that whole unit moves that may be what what it needs because let's be honest Steve, they've got to score more goals you know we can talk about the warnock factor and everything else we neither me or you can just sit here and go yeah but warnock to every yeah. question and the big question for me is goals they have to get more goals from sorba thomas from josh caroma from jack radoni from their striking options. You know, Wardy yeah. got Wardy was brilliant at times last year, but he scored five goals. Yeah. So that as as striking unit, they have to get more goals he, even he, if their job is to facilitate others. But as as big a fan big fans as we are of, of Danny Ward, he did underperform for a lot of last season. Uh first mm. half of last started the season very, very well and then when you looked at his numbers he was massively underperforming his XG where previous year had been massively Overperforming his XG, and I think he's more likely to do well under Neil Warnock than probably any other manager. Let's be fair. Yeah, um, oh, yeah absolutely. But I, what I mean is, they. Yeah. I think some fans think they need a striker who's going to come in and score twenty goals, whereas yeah. I think they potentially they need at least one, maybe two players who come in, and everybody in that unit gets five to ten. And suddenly yeah. you've got, instead of getting 20 goals from one person, you've suddenly got 45, 50 goals from your attacking line, which well, is where you need to be. I was looking, and the numbers aren't great because his career's so long that they sort of um, uh, fade into obscurity. But I was looking on Transfer March, you can go on and say like every player that's played for a manager, but it only goes back about 15 years. But that's still sort of long enough for us to look at Warnock's side and go. And I was the pl- piece I was planning to do was who are Warnock's most successful strikers? Because what would that tell us about the signing they might make? And actually, he's apart from Luciano Vecchio at Leeds, he hasn't had that talismanic striker in like any of his sides. Um, and Vecchio got sold midway through <laughs> the season, yeah. um, obviously above his head. Um, so he's just he's never really built his sides around having that 15 goal player but as I say what he has had is exactly what you just said he'll have a list of, and you look at his Cardiff promotion winning team or you look at you know his Middlesbrough team you look at basically anyone he'll have a list of half a dozen players after the top top the top scorer will get sort of 10 to 12 and then there'll be half a dozen six seven mm. players who are all on sort of five six seven eight goals um, which Town just didn't have last season and they had a couple of players who should really have been up there. They would have hoped would be up there. Jack Rodoni, I'm thinking of in particular. Um, but also Josh Gromer, who they ended up sending out on loan for half the season because he was rubbish and then he came back and he was brilliant. He'd expect again. And I, I understand the misgivings and we'll we'll talk about this a bit later. I do understand the misgivings about 
where are the goals going to come from? This is the same squad as last year. They struggled to score goals, so where is it going to come from? But I do think there are goals in that team mm. if they if they can find a way to unlock them. Yeah, that's the thing, and that I think a lot of what I'm talking about in terms of the transfer window is like that passing eight in midfield we were talking about. I think the difference has to come this season. It's it's. I know people think it's a bit of a catchphrase of mine because they always tell me when I use it, but it is about asking different questions. And I think they, Neil Warnock can't do what he did over 15 matches last season. You know, at at the end there, he's got to manage in a different way. And I think having different options and and different angles and different ways to hurt teams is the way forward. And I just, I think the perception was that they new American owner was going to come in and they were going to spend four million quid on a striker, you know, mm. and that striker was going to come in and score 15 goals guaranteed. And I I just don't think that's ever been the case because I think if you look at the way the squad is set up, that's just not the profile they need. And like Neil Warnock's front line is there to attack and create and score goals. But it, it's as big a part of that is to stop defences being able to pass out into midfield easily Mm -hmm. you know if you look one of the things that Warnock did and we joked about it quite a lot last season but it was it was the difference was he very quickly turned them into the best team in the league without the ball okay Mm -hmm. there was evidence I thought in that friendly that he's evolved that again and he is Mm -hmm. still his priority is to make them the best team in the league off the ball and your front line is vital in that because, as I said, if you've got if you've got a back three or a back four that can just pass easily into midfield or or pass easily into their eight or whatever, then that is is an, a real issue, and it, you just won't get that with a Warner Cuddersfield Town side. Yeah. So Ward Ward Diara and Rodoni is quite a tough yeah set yeah, of players all, for a defence to get past they're all going to press really really high is the thing and they're, they're all going to try and win that ball back as quickly as possible so we'll see I just I was speaking to Matt from the other podcast um, and I was saying I, I kind of feel like the striker I, I, I think they might end up doing a couple of deals but it kind of feels like the striker might even be somebody either, either somebody we've heard of like a Martin Waghorn who's at a certain point in his career or someone we've never heard of <laughs> I, yeah. but I don't think it's going to be you know anyone in between I don't think it's going to be some I don't think they're going to be bringing you know Britton Diaz back from Villarreal on loan or anything like <laughs> yeah. that it's just not I, happening and I'm not really sure they need a project player either because again no. it's one of those positions where they've got a few of those already um, mm. one of them they've sent out on loan so um if they wanted, if it was all about just numbers for the strikers, you wouldn't have sent Tyrese Simpson out. You wouldn't be talking about Jordan no. Rhodes potentially leaving. So, I think the other thing, obviously, and we're, we've sort of skirted around it, but obviously money is a factor, mm. um, and the market for for centre forwards, you know, they're always the most expensive players. I think this summer it's particularly expensive. And I, I saw the other day that um, Tom Cannon from Everton, who, who went out on loan to the championship last season and, and did well um, but he's he's 20 years old he's played what's this 20 games in the championship and yeah he scored 8 goals that's pretty good return to be fair um, but Everton are asking for a million pound loan fee for him on top mm. of 
whatever wages they're going to be charging for him, uh, which would be, and the wages would be higher than any town player is earning, uh, even a player that age, because that's just how Premier League wages work. Um, so that's, you know, and it's not just us saying that's expensive. You look at, you know, Alan Nixon said it was expensive. The general reporting has been that's fairly hefty as a loan fee. Um, when, you know, you could sign a Jet Radoni or a Mihal Helic for that kind of money uh, and have them for for several years. So this is the market they're in. However, I do accept that you will look around the division and, and see Ellie Sims going to Coventry. I would say in terms of the finances, I, I talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, there's FFP is obviously a factor potentially. Um, I was sort of, you know, talking around that and there was a lot of hypotheticals in there that are to do with what this season's spend is going to be, what potentially what next season's spend is going to be. But the other thing is that the EFL are keeping a much closer eye on, on owners in their first year at the club. Um, there are new measures in place. They have to, you asked me a few weeks ago, Dave, do clubs have to stick to their business plan that they've submitted to the EFL? And the answer to that is basically in year one, yeah, they do. So that is potentially a factor as well. This is something I'd, I would... Uh, still like to get a bit more clarity on but those are potential factors that are at play here this summer um when it comes to to looking for that striker and uh, i know that isn't what a lot of people want to hear some people aren't interested in the finances they just see well other clubs find a way to do it why can't we and Mm. i think you know that's reasonable you've come to to support football because you want to put your hopes and dreams in it and have it as a kind of escape not because you want to there's a reason football manager is a very popular game but sensible corporate management simulator is less popular yeah but we'd play it but yeah oh yeah yeah i i do i do agree with all of that but also you know they 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 do have to recruit you know i can't yes 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 yeah they, the squad as it is right now on the day of recording it does need a couple of additions and the the thing is, I've been looking around the champ, and I think the argument against this is that okay, it's quite slow movement in across the champ, but then you look round at teams that are actually sort of in the same orbit as town, or likely to be in the same orbit as town, or have been in the same orbit as town last season, and they are starting to starting to do things. You know, you, you look at Stoke and. I think Ender Stevens and Ben Pearson are great signings, and they've got a couple of lads from Wolves. They got Wesley, didn't they, from Villa, who I think is good. They've got Mark Travis, who's a good goalkeeper, and a couple of others. I look at sort of Sheffield Wednesday, and I have no idea what they're going to be like. Absolutely no idea. I they're either going to be rock bottom or playoffs, and there'll be absolutely no in between. But being Sheffield Wednesday, I strongly suspect they're last day of the transfer window they might have a mad trolley dash yeah, yeah. I look at Rotherham they got Cafu from Forest which I think is a really good signing at Wimback they've got Onye Dimmar from Bluton who I think is really good QPR got Taylor Richards from, from Brighton club I, I know a little bit about Who's a very, that's a good signing Begovic is a good signing I think Morgan Fox is a good signing so you look at you look at some of the clubs around them. You know, Plymouth have got KKH, mm-hmm. who we know all about, but they've also got Lewis Gibson, which I think is a very good signing from from Everton. There are they are doing things and they are improving, and it it's 
I think we don't want to make predictions here, but I think you've got to look at that little group of clubs that were in and amongst town last season, and you've got to say, are they improving on them, and who's going to get dragged down into there? And it's it's difficult at the moment because even Hull, who are a bit of a basket place of a, a club from the outside looking in, but you know Liam Delap is a good signing, Vinegar is a good signing, Lakilo is a good signing. <sighs> Yeah, you just you look at them and you go, okay, I don't know if they're going to be again. They're either going to be second bottom to Sheffield Wednesday or playoffs and no in between. So it's it's a case of I do think the league is is more competitive. And please note, I'm not using the word stronger because I don't think it's stronger. But what I think it's more competitive this season. Leveling out. And, and I think that that for all people are sort of saying well you know it's all right because warnock you know warnock factor etc etc while i do buy into that and i understand that my worry is that there has to be a little bit more than that over the course of a season so i was very encouraged by the friendly i know the personnel is roughly the same but there are a few things we picked out in terms of how they pressed in terms of the change of shape in terms of the on and off the ball that were different from last season. Yeah. Um, particularly off the ball, as I said. It's a bit more sophisticated, isn't it, now? Yeah, it is. And if they can work on being... Like, <sighs> Barnsley got through to the, the League One playoff final last season by being the best team in the league off the ball. That's how they did it. They weren't packed with superstars. It was just they were so incredibly difficult to play against off the ball. I think if, if Town can become that side again... You know that mm-hmm. that hopefully will be enough. That will be enough in and of itself, and then you can work on on everything else. But what I would say is, I think they are going to be an out of possession side again. So I think some of these victories where Town have thirty percent possession and end up with a two nil win, I think that that could happen again this season quite quite easily. Yeah, I think Matt Lennon was on Dreddy Lee's talking about this, but. The retention is probably the big positive for town because you, you talk about the other you know other clubs making signings, but then you also look at Birmingham have lost Chong, Blackburn have lost Brereton Diaz, Coventry have lost Jokeresh. Um Whereas sort of the most high-profile departure town have had is is probably Dwayne Holmes, and mm. you know no disrespect to Dwayne Holmes, but the thing I keep seeing on Twitter and and seeing from fans is, oh, we've got a smaller squad this year, so how are we going to be competitive? It's like, well, yeah, but the you played 40 players in the championship last year. Only Watford played more. You could lose nine of those and still only be down to the average for the championship. Mm. And the players that have gone, you can't tell me that you'd be sitting there going, oh, actually, I think we're going to finish 10th. If Etienne Kamara, Dwayne Holmes and Nick Belokopic and Rolando Aarons and Will Boyle and Danny Grant were still at the club, you know? Mm. And Flor- Florian Camberry, let's be fair, is a massive loss. Um, Who? No, but like <laughs> Joe Hungbo, I think, is the one that you would sort of accept. But mm. but even then, they've sort of, he's basically replaced, sort of, you know, sort of Thomas and him have swapped places over the past couple of transfer windows. Yeah. So, and not, it, not only that, that's, I think, what I'm alluding to when I'm talking about the striker chat. I do think yeah. there is a chance they might bring a couple in. So you might end up with a couple of different options up there to replace Hungbo, who turned out to be a really good option. Yeah. So I don't want to be mistaken as being like, 
oh, actually, I think Town are going to be absolutely great this year. Because I understand the concerns, because you do look at the squad and think, well, this is a team that were in the bottom three all of last year, um, and we've got basically the same squad, and we're coming into a new season. Um, But one, I would say, well, I think it would be pretty widely acknowledged that one of their main issues last year is they were quite poorly managed for two-thirds of the season. Um, and then it turned out that when they had a decent manager, he was. it turned out they were actually decent. And that that idea that this is a decent squad that's underperforming turned out to basically be correct. They've also got... I don't want to keep banging on about the players they've got back because, you know, we can sit here and say, oh, they've got Uta back, they've got Sorba Thomas back, they've got... You know, they're not going to be missing Nichols and Pearson for half the season like they did last year. But for all we know, you know, Josh Cromer could go and break his leg tomorrow and then we're, you know, we're panicking. So I don't want to put too much too much stock in that because you don't know who's going to get injured. Injuries are going to happen. But I don't... I don't... It feels very... The mood in the fan base seems very down in the mouth at the moment. And maybe it's just... Down at the mic, down in the mouth. Um, Maybe it's just the forum people and the social media noise and actually maybe half the listeners to this will be like no actually I feel like they're fine and and agree with us but I I can see the possibility that those sort of soothsayers of doom might well be correct because I think there are a lot of we've talked about a lot of ifs there and I think the biggest is the can they get the goals out of Sorba Thomas Jack Redoni uh, Josh Caroma um we've not even really mentioned the set pieces but obviously that's going to be a big factor but what if those dry up you know i i could see a world where jack Rodoni only scores twice again where silver thomas goes all season without scoring where josh caroma we get the bad josh caroma uh, who's been stuck in the black lodge for the last six months and has, has now uh, emerged to wreak havoc on uh, on his own team by being not very good so I think there is a possibility that happens and I think that that is the version of town that is in people's heads. Mm. I would just say to those people just consider the possibility that it could go the other way as well and you might get the I don't think don't get me wrong I don't think town are going to get 21 points from the first 10 games like they did from the last 10 games of last season. But they might be more like that team than the team that lost at Blackpool and Wigan and Stoke last season. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I my gut feeling is I think it could be quite a long season again. I mm-hmm. think I don't necessarily think they're going to be in a relegation battle for nine months, but I do wonder if there will be a flirt at some point with it. I think the Warnock factor is a factor. You know, I I am people know I have my reservations about certain aspects of Neil Warnock being at the club, but. Uh, it, it is a factor and it does make a difference to certain players and as I said it, it's there are a lot of unknowns there are a lot of unknowns I think part of it though is I think some fans so if you look at you look at say Birmingham this summer who are a, a sort of equivalent team to town I would say mm-hmm. on a lot of respects in terms of they've been fighting a few of the same battles obviously they've had a change of ownership and they've gone and got uh, Christian Bielik in. They've gone and got Ethan Laird, Tyler Roberts, uh, Siriki Dembele, who I think is a terrific player. Dion Sanderson, who was linked with Town for a couple of summers. Keshi Anderson, Lieber Cannon. 
that's one way of doing it. We know that is not the way town are doing it for various reasons. That town can't physically do that. And I think there's one or two people looking at other clubs with slightly jealous eyes, as they always do in the transfer window. I'm with you. I think we need to just be a little bit patient. We'll see how it plays out. I strongly suspect there will be at least a couple of additions. At least a couple yeah. of additions. Um, and I think Huddersfield Town are in a position where a couple of additions could actually make quite a big difference to how you look at that squad. And yeah. that squad, weirdly, when you lay it out on paper, a lot of people are saying it's a it, it's so small. It's actually it's not quite it's... bloated. Yeah, you know, they could actually do with trimming it a little bit. It's exactly what not the top twenty said, and I don't disagree with them. I think you could take, you could probably take three or four players off that, and you wouldn't especially miss them. Yeah, yeah, and there's some wage bill juggling to be done because when you've got a big squad, everybody's being paid every week, and mm-hmm. and various other things. So it wouldn't yeah, surprise it's... me if there was there was some more outs. Cause yeah, I don't, I don't think it's from what Mark Cartwright told me a few weeks ago it's not that that necessarily has to happen, it's not one in one in, out like it was a few years ago, but like they've still got Conor Mahoney and Jordan Rose yeah. and Aaron Rowe earning mm. wages and they're not, not going to play No So why so, not get them out if you can So I'm kind of at a point where I know they've got a really tough start to the season, but more than anything I just want to see what the first eleven and what the squad looks like the day after the transfer window shuts because that I think yeah. is just going to be such a such a big thing and it's not it's not to put pressure on us in oh they must make signings they've got to get the striker in it's more a case of I know where they are right now but yeah you know if they went and got an eight and they got a good inverted winger who we know can chip in with sort of five goals but also platform others I think I'd feel suddenly feel Okay, well, this actually looks like quite a strong first eleven, because it's not far off. That's I think it. Is. I think it. Well, this is the thing: is there's, and the reason I've sort of done this rant is because I have seen too many people sort of reacting as though they've already played and lost the first five games. If they do play and lose the five, the first five games, we'll sort of we'll join that chorus. You and I, you know. Yeah. Oh, but, absolutely. But but want to at least give them a chance to lose before we treat them as if they've lost kind of thing but I think there is a bit of a, a dissonance in the way that people talk about the squad because or some people talk about the squad because I think if you actually went through it player by player the, certainly the first 11 and lesser the squad to be fair but the first 11 I think if you went through it I think everyone would sort of say well I like Lee Nichols I like Tom mm. Lees I like Mahal Helic, I like Matty Pearson I like Jaheim Headley I like Jonathan Hogg and Jack Rodoni I like Danny Ward and Josh Caroma. Probably the only ones you wouldn't get like necessarily an overwhelmingly enthusiastic response to would be Sorba Thomas, who we know is a bit divisive. Brima Diara, I think some people still have some doubts. And, and maybe Jim Medley or Josh Ruffles, whoever played in that system. But I think most of the first 11 people like and and be like, yeah, happy for them to, to start. Um, and yet, if you, and obviously they love Neil Warnock. They'd give Neil Warnock 10 out of 10. But if you then ask them, what do you think of the team? They'd be like, ah, it's a bit crap. <laughs> so, well, both those things can't be true, surely. I don't know. Mm. I, do, I just think that the way I look at it, when I lay out the first team, in fact, we did. We had this discussion on Saturday. We had the same, we, exact same 11. <laughs> yeah, uh, we had the same 11. And I think we both, it, it's not a bad first 11. I think when you come to the subs bench and who can change yeah. it, I think there are some issues because I think they have 
probably two to three subs who are absolutely fine and you can see playing a hell of a lot of football but then in the sort of the next one to six because remember it's a nine-man bench there's Mm -hmm. no doubt in the quality drops off a cliff but the thing is you can't there's no squad in that championship who is going to have a really strong first 11 and then a massively strong five players to come in and can immediately fill those Roles, no problem whatsoever. It's just, just Other doesn't than, work. Well, like that. Leicester. <laughs> well, Leicester. Yeah. yeah, but they're going to be like Burnley. They're going to yeah, be the yeah. outlier, you know. But so I, I, think I, I yeah, I, I do appreciate there is a lack of depth in some positions because I've done my bench. I've done my predicted lineup already for Friday morning, and spoiler alert, but my nine-man bench does include. Um, Josh Osterfield, and that's assuming that David Casimo and Pat Jones are fit enough to join him on the bench. Mm. So, but that's what I mean about I. I think another. I, I don't think they're a million miles away. I think they have to add. And in an ideal world, for me, they'd add quite a sort of grisly hard striker who can come in and do what Wardy does. They'd add a wide attacking player who you know. Mm-hmm. we've already talked about and they'd add a passing eight and I think suddenly if you had those options in the squad you look at the first team and you look at the bench and go okay that's not actually yeah. that's yeah. not actually that bad so we, we shall see there's a lot of work to be done and I think of those three signings I think in my heart of hearts I'm kind of thinking two you know I think mm-hmm. they'll kind of get two done I think three would be great but I think they'll get two done so yeah so I just think that's what what is going to make the difference really I'm not all doom and gloom but I'm certainly not thinking I, I, I can't see a world where they're sort of like dishing out bloody noses in the way they were at the back end of last season but I think if they can just be functional, organised controlled and as I keep saying you know, up there with anyone in the division for how they play off the ball I think that should be enough I think yeah. that should be enough. It, it, the one thing I think we do have to concede, Steve, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be fireworks and roller coasters this season. No. I, well, exactly what I was about to come on to is I think if Town get through this season where they finish they finish 18th again, but they've not been in the bottom three all season. You know, that let's say they've been somewhere between... 14th and 18th all season and after the mathematically saved the last few games they take the foot off the gas and they end up finishing 18th 19th but behind the scenes they've got more of the dead wood out they've got foot under the table they've started they've got a good plan for next summer hopefully you know the budget can open out a little bit and they can be a bit more progressive next season next summer with the transfers i think they'd be pretty happy with that as a season um, because purely because, and I think if they hadn't had the change of ownership, I don't think I'd be saying that, and I don't think I'd be sort of advocating or or accepting of that. But I think the fact that they have had a complete wholesale change of ownership after yeah so long, um, and I know obviously you know let's not forget Dean Hoyle was not the chairman and 100% owner all the way through. Obviously, we had a couple of, you know, the the interregnum with Phil Hodgkinson. um, And that's the first time we've ever said interregnum on this podcast. Um, But I think it's sort of, I think part of the whole reason that they have appointed Neil Warnock rather than going for, to pull a name out that was linked, a Michael Duff, is because they wanted to have that year of steady, transitional, get things get ducks in a row behind the scenes um 
maybe you know working on the stadium we know they're working on the stadium working on the academy because we know they're working on the academy go back to that seven point list that that kevin nagel has has outlined when he first came in there's a lot of stuff for them to to go and sort out and a lot of it is stuff that will take months to sort of get into Mm. let alone get complete um so again this is me sort of explaining the logic of something to people who are upset um if they obviously have a poor season they have a poor season and we'll criticize them for that oh absolutely but but that is the logic of it and i think sort of the position of it and yeah but we'll see if they've got judged it right or not but also i think i know we're looking way into the future here and we haven't played a minute's football of this season but i think the other thing we completely understand and we are we are invested neutrals, but we do understand the emotional investment. The other thing we completely understand is if they have that season, this season of transition and steadying the ship and trying to sort stuff out, we completely understand me and Steve can't sit and do this same podcast next summer advocating for yeah. another season yeah, yeah. of transition. They've got to... If you're saying we want to use this season as a platform to build, show us what you're building. You know, yes. they have to, next season, we have to be sitting here and saying, okay, if they finish 18th again, this is the season where they have to push and they have to push into mid-table and try and be nudging the bottom of the playoffs, okay? Because that's, that's just the nature of yeah. progress and football. So we're not for a second sort of advocating this is just what town are or anyone should accept it, not at all. But i think I, the the more i look at it the more i kind of see the sense in not certainly not writing the season off i'm not for a second saying anybody's writing the season off but sort of having expectations this season as can we finish this season still a championship club but close to a deal that actually works in terms of making money out of home games stadium wise you know mm-hmm. in a, in a productive and proactive sense can we have the backroom positions all sorted in terms of, you know, who we've seen technical directors come into Huddersfield Town and leave very, very quickly. Okay, um, so you know, can we get Mark Cartwright in there and get his feet under the table for a season so that next summer he feels really well established and can go and really shape that squad how he wants it? Can Jake Edwards really get himself? involved and understand the local area and the town and really get this football club position back into the heart of Huddersfield. There's all these various things that I think you also have to kind of count as wins, but we do understand how important three o'clock is on a Saturday as well. You know, and I don't think either of us for a minute are trying to dress, you know, what could be quite a quite a long season up as a, as as mm-hmm. massive progress. It's just that there are all of these things that need to happen that you know they they're not sexy they're not sexy steve they're like me and you they're just not sexy <laughs> but very practical yeah <laughs> um one final point on the striker um the, i also think there's no point in signing tom cannon unless you can also sign someone called bob ball <laughs> yeah. yeah i i completely agree <laughs> i completely agree there's a far, do you know what there's a there's a far worse joke i can make but i won't <laughs> um blimey dave we've done over an hour already we did have something planned do we want to do our key players for the season or should we leave it there uh well i think we may as well do it quickly because i think we've got the pretty much the same thing haven't we 
Yeah. I we haven't compared notes here. Give me yours first. It would be Helic Radoni, and then we sort of the way we said it was two that we think are going to make a difference and be key players this season, and then a bit of a wild card that could come in and make a difference. And I'm just going for Huddling, just purely from the point of view of there's nobody else in the league quite like him, and I think it would be boring to say Diara or Thomas Ocaroma. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just, just <laughs> for the pure banter of it, I'm just saying Huddling. Excellent. Well, I had Diara written down. I think he's really important in that system for the reason we talked about. Off the, I think people always talk about Diara's qualities on the ball, but looking at his stats towards the end of last season has really made me keep a closer eye on what he does off the ball. Um, and I have done this season. And yeah, he's. I just think he's such a, an important player to a Warnock side because, you know, you talk about how he doesn't necessarily play long ball, and he doesn't. But what he does like to do Neil Warnock is have quick breaks in his side Diara is obviously brilliant at that can't shoot <laughs> yeah, yeah. but he can carry the ball um, 60 yards um, and and I think Jaheim Headley is massive to that as well you know a player who, yeah I agree I, th- I think it's quite telling that this summer it's we've talked about right back an awful lot but you look at left back and you think yeah left back's, left back's fine because yeah. you've got you've got Headley, and even before Ruffles came back, we were saying yeah, left back's fine. Because Headley is good, Jackson's decent, and obviously Yutanakiyama's back if you wanted to play him there as well. Um, but I think again, Headley just he's so impressive going forward, so impressive in attack. Mm-hmm. I think apart from anything else, he and Dr are going to win town so many free kicks this season. Yeah. Um, he does need to watch it himself at the other end though, Headley, because. Um, there are a couple of moments against Stockport where you think, oh, bloody hell, Jamie, you got don't away with turned. one there. Yeah, don't. don't and then if you do get turned, don't smash into him mm-hmm. um, from behind because you, you, you will get sent off for that in a competitive game. But, um, yeah, you've gone huddling, I'll go Harrett. I just, I, I've been quite impressed with Key and Harrett. Just watching that one training session that I was, that was at as well, I think it's quite clear that the amount of encouragement Neil Warnock was giving him um, for his work off the ball. I think he is trying to turn him into Danny. We've always we've said for years that that Keen Era is a young Jordan Rhodes, and I think Neil Warnock is is trying to turn him into a young Danny Ward. And uh, mm. I think he's I think he's making good progress towards that. And we'll we'll see how much of a, a part he has to play. But uh, as I say, I think at the moment if you're doing the, that like for like sub on seventy minutes that they always do with Danny Ward, I think Keen Harris the man for that at the moment. Yeah, don't disagree. I think it's interesting. I know we're running on here, but I think it's also interesting. This podcast is one of the longer ones we've done, and we've barely talked about Sorpa Thomas, who we know oh, is, yeah. is yeah. you know, on on his day and at his best, can be absolutely massive for town. So, I, I my prediction. It's one of the reasons I think we're not quite as doom and gloom as some, isn't it? I think we saw, but <laughs> I think. We talked about how he's quite divisive. I think some yeah. fans absolutely love him and some fans absolutely hate him. Um, and I think he is going to prove both sets of fans right this season. Yeah, um, I, I completely <laughs> agree. I mean, against Heroin on Saturday, he just yeah. he was trying too hard. He was yeah. trying so hard. He just needed to relax. And that that Sorba Thomas trying like that, we've seen a lot yeah. of, and we know that's not the best trying the version. Stu- trying the stupid flicks where 
the yeah. pattern is on and it's, yeah the, the best sober is always when he's relaxed when he's comfortable on the ball when he doesn't have that pressure and the thing is I think what's quite interesting is I think with Karoma the other side I, I don't think size can just double up on sober and sort of nullify Towns attack so I think it's quite interesting that he might have a little bit more agency this season a little bit more freedom to play in so we shall see yeah, I think there will, as I say, I think there will be games where he's completely ineffective and he he's getting frustrated and, and just nothing's coming off and we have to give him a 4 or 5 out of 10. But I think, I don't know, I just feel like under Neil Warnock, he is. Ex- I think Fotheringham was exactly the wrong manager for Sorba Thomas. I think Warnock is exactly the right manager for Sorba Thomas. And I I think we will see those, those games where he's frustrating, but I think we'll also see a return of those games where he is borderline unplayable and sets up two goals from from free kicks and corners and runs the show on the counter-attack in, in, in open play. So, And he wants to get more goals as well. You know, you mentioned that earlier that they are specifically working with him to try and get him to increase his goal output because that is, by his own admission, the thing that's always been missing from his game is, is scoring goals. So, is your dog coming in there, Dave? Has it yes. been that long? Yeah. Anyway, media recommendations. Yeah. I had a couple, but I'll save the other one for next week. Um, I'm going to go with Star Trek Strange New Worlds for this week, which I think some people might have slept on. There will be people listening to this who have enjoyed Star Trek in the past, but have not bothered with Strange New Worlds either because they don't want to sign up to Paramount Plus uh, or because they're not particularly fond of the concept. And I wasn't fond of the concept when it was first announced. But it's coming towards the end of its second season now. And I think episode for episode, it is the best Star Trek, or out of all of them. It was already the best new Star Trek, the best sort of 2020s, 2010s Star Trek. It is now my favourite of all the Star Treks, on course, or at least on course to be that. It's brilliant, really good. Highest praise from yourself, that. It's great. I'm, I can't believe how good it... Like, I had such low expectations for it, and it's great. David... Uh, I have a, a serious addiction issue with the Beastie Boys music in that I can't I try to stay away for long periods because then I just end up listening to nothing else for ages and unfortunately it, it this is linked this is genuinely we've not spoke about this before my wife was watching some god awful Star Trek film and I'm sorry it really was Steve I'm not against Star Trek as a whole but they were driving around on motorbikes on a different planet. It yeah, was yeah, really uh, the third of the Abram films. But Sabotage came on, and mm-hmm. then that was it. I was within days. I was like on street corners begging for people for CDs and stuff. So, but Ill Communication by the Beastie Boys is the one is my is my go to drug, and it's just so rare you get a note perfect album. But believe me, that is. But I would kind of just recommend you just dive in. In the world of Spotify, Steve, it's quite a big music website. You may have heard of it. I would just dive into any Beastie Boys playlist and just yeah, bore yeah. yourself silly. And this is the Beastie Boys one. It, I'm going to listen to World Communication as soon as this is finished because I haven't listened to the Beastie Boys oh, for ages. Because you can't, you won't, and you don't stop. Simple as. <laughs> um, great. I think for the new season ahead, you are on holiday now. We'll have something else lined up for next week instead in your absence but 
I think in general, Dave, we are at least for the first half of the season going to aim to record on a Wednesday if we possibly yes. can, aren't we? So yes. just so you're aware, everyone, um, that will probably be um, over most of the season we're looking at a Wednesday release. That will change sometimes, but that's the current plan um, for as much as it's worth because obviously we invariably won't entirely stick to it. But <laughs> yes, just so you're not pestering us on a Monday, every Monday going, where's the podcast? Pester us on Wednesday. Instead. <laughs> cool. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us, everyone. See you next time. Goodbye.